Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. Um, today is the 25th of January and um, the year is moving on pretty fast. I have really hectic days every day. I go to bed really, really tired and but feeling accomplished and fulfilled and I thank God for that. I hope things are, you know, starting off pretty good for you as well. I hope, you know, you're in a place where you feel like you know what God has in store for you and you're working towards it and that you're, you're, you know, just working towards, you know, perfecting your relationship with him the best way that you can. But whatever reason has brought you here today, I pray that the Lord himself will speak to you and provide something that will, you know, just change your life, your perspective, how you see things and, you know, just keep you blessed at this podcast i just share my experience of what it's like to be a christian which is what i am and i'm so glad that i am i have been on this journey um since june 2020 on this podcast i have been born again i have received christ into my life several years before but i went i had an experience you know like june i had a faith crisis in 2020 because of some things that i was going through and God led me back to the Bible and that journey to the Bible led me to begin to record my experiences with God and the Bible and his word in this podcast which we title Musings with Jesus. So here we talk about faith, life and love in the context of Jesus, Christ, the Bible. I talk about my journey. So you can get quite a bit of my backstory if you go back to um, the recordings in 2020 but generally it's just like a daily audio log of what life is like and what I'm going through, what I'm feeling, what God is said is sharing with me. And somehow he finds a way to drop a word in my heart as well as in the lives of those who listen as well. So thank you for being here. And um so I'm going um I'm on a seminary, I'm in a seminary program doing a master's course. And this week, in one of my subjects, the subject on knowing God, well, interrogating or looking into the theme of the concept of um, you are what you love. So apparently there's this Bible scholar who actually came up with that thing that says you are what you love. And it was seen as being very um, radical, a radical mindset shift. Because before then, people had felt that we are what we think. And I know that I've heard even many of you know the faith preachers that I have been exposed to in my journey with Christ. They always said things like, oh, you know, thinking of the word of God was enough to make you do it. And they would say, God says it, that settles it, I believe it. You know, that was a very common phrase we used to say then. And for most of us, you know, I think, you know, when, when I... They, they actually, you know, when, when I started thinking about it, I realized that, and, and I haven't done all the reading that is required for me to be really competent to speak on this. I'm still in the ref, reflection stage, which is why it's a good time to do the recording. But I, I, was start, I started thinking about it. It seemed, this seemed to be, or provide an explanation to some of the things I had been struggling with in my own personal life. For instance, for instance, I had noticed that Despite the fact that, you know, I spend a lot of time studying the word of God, I, you know, I pray and I yearn for certain things. I notice that there are still some things that creep, crop up every now and then. Like sometimes I get angry. I do some things that I'm like, my goodness, surely you should have been, 
you know how come you are still struggling with this you know how come this is still a thing in your life and then so it it's made me realize that and you know even before now i've always realized that what's probably set the apostles apart from many of us practicing christianity today not all of us but many of us is the passion that they had for the things of god I've, I, but I, I thought it was about me. I, I didn't realize that it was not just about me. It's probably more of a human thing. So I have always found out, and I used to pray to God. I used to say that, you know what? I don't want to be the kind of Christian that is just going through the motions and doing, okay, because God says, let's do this, let's do this. I don't want to evangelize because God says so. Only I want to do evangelize because I can't stop thinking about it because it's what I love to do. You know, I've always felt that... It was easier to serve God with passion. But then you can't manufacture passion. If passion is not there, you can't create it where it's not there. So I've always felt, you know, and, and Jesus even said it. He said, those who hunger after and thirst after righteousness will be filled. He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. That was in Matthew 5. And I've always wondered, you know, I've, I've always, you know, there's always been that how was I say conflict in terms of there's a body of teaching that makes you think all you have to do is study the word of God and then you can actually do the word of God and then there's a part that also realizes that yeah but then if it doesn't come from the heart it really doesn't matter and Jesus also says if you love me you will do my commandment so I know that I and I like I said I haven't read I haven't done enough of the reading for me to have my views and my thoughts formed on this because I sort of kind of think that there's still a place for the mental renewing of the mind which is what the bible teaches and maybe that mind change or mind shift will happen over time but i find that really until that transformation takes place you are really what you love and i think the fact that we don't realize that there's a difference between what we think and what we love and what drives our motivations is really what we love and our actions then we will not even be able to um, come against sin because we don't even recognize the place that sin already has in us because James tells us that people fall into sin because they are tempted in the areas of their own lust so I for instance now I mean you can't tempt me to come and smoke and drink you know and drink well perhaps you know drink but not smoking smoking I've had I'm abhorrent to the I, I can't imagine why anyone would put um, smoke into their lungs. I can't stand, I can't be around anybody who smokes. I can't even live in the same house with somebody who smokes. You know what I'm saying? And I've been like that since I was a child. I remember as a teenager, I had a relationship with a smoker once and I, in my life, I, I saw it would never ever happen again. You know, it would never happen and that was the first and the last time. So, you can't tempt me with smoking or anything that requires with weed or any of those things. No, that's not, it's not a temptation. It's not a valid temptation for me because there's just something about me that is, finds it abhorrent. For some other person, it's a temptation. That person, you know, has experienced it. The flesh craves it. So, for that person, the per that person has a lot more to deal with in that area. I have other things that I would probably, you know, love. So, for instance, I really love myself. And I think that is probably why I got in the way of God's plan for my life for a long time. I, mean, I really, as in, I really loved myself. I loved my life. I loved my own way of doing things. I loved my, you know, I just loved myself. I, and I had very strong self. I still have, you know, very strong self preservation. And 
So it was a conflict doing the things that God wanted me to do because for me to follow God, I have to love God more than myself, you know, <laughs> and it, it, apparently I didn't. So it, there really is something to say about you are what you love. And, and again, I see I see that strongly in, our, in the way things are in Nigeria because a lot of us in Christianity, we love money. In fact, Nigerians, we really love money. I think we're probably the most materialistic people on the face of the earth. There are a lot of materialistic cultures on the face of the earth. I know that. But we're very much... I can't think of any culture that would be more materialistic than Nigerians. We are really materialistic. You know, we believe that. And it's 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 more in certain parts of the country, certain cultures, than in others. And it wasn't always like this, but it has become worse in the past... Um, 10 past two or three decades i would say so right now you know um money rules all things and then the worst thing is that it has even gotten into the church so even in the church if you have money and you come in as a wealthy person they'll break all the rules for you you know what i'm saying i'm and you know literally they give you the front seats you know you're invited to all the major committees you're you know you become an elder simply just because you have money you know what i'm saying it's it's really really bad and the, the ultimate um, expression of God's blessings is for you to have material wealth. So we love money. So And the Bible, if it's true that we are what we love, then if, if what we love is money, then we are materialistic and we are not, we are not Christians. That's, that's what it means. We're not, we're not, we're not, his, we're not Jesus' disciples. And um, it's, it's a very interesting concept. And like I said, I, I haven't read enough for my thoughts to be fully formed on it it's a bit of a mindset shift for me too because i too also felt that you are what you think because i have seen again in my environment where people's mindset the way they think the way they reason the experiences they've had are so self-limiting i mean i've seen it there are people who when you talk about the cycle of poverty and ignorance we, it's, it's pervasive where we are and even when you try to take certain people out of that cycle because of the mentality that they've been raised with you know the 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 modeling that has happened psychologically in terms of their values in terms of you know the reasoning the logic that the the way they frame situations and the interpretation they give to issues and the meaning of life it's impossible to bring them out of that situation it's the most fascinating thing i've ever seen in my life whereas in some um other family setups everything about their lifestyle their mindsets their way of thinking the psychological makeup their framing of issues their contextualizing the 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 relationships they form the networks they have everything is geared towards success they will they will literally they will have to try very hard to feel you know what i'm saying because everything around them is set up to work in the way things work on this earth and these are things that no one can ever really really tell you but some over time you get to find out so i have always felt that the mindset is a very important thing so what i what i'm sensing though is that and i'm trying to find how to frame it because we're asked to think about to discuss whether you are what you love or you are what you think and i'm beginning to see that definitely we are not 100% what we think because it's possible to be to think in a particular way and um but act in a different way you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah it is possible potentially but i but i've seen that it, it when you love something you the love will drive you farther than the thinking 
you know um <clears throat> so for instance um football is my passion everybody will see it but i um if football is something that i understand and i have knowledge about it will come through but it may not take over my entire life so people when people come to me they can talk to me about football i can i can share my knowledge but because it's not my it's not my passion or it's not at the center or the core of my life it's not what i would call i love it even though i know a lot about it i don't the portion of my life that it takes up is limited so i think that's the difference in that what you love actually takes majority of your life from your inner core your actions your cravings and your yearnings whereas how you think well shapes maybe the results that you get and the places you put yourself in but where your passion lies and where your action and your behaviors your cravings your yearnings your lusts your desires your prayers your efforts and even your thoughts will move towards is more towards what you love so what you love seems to carry everything including what you think so your thoughts are a part of that but the love part seems to carry everything and like i said i don't, I don't have my thoughts fully formed but it does seem like what you love have, has a stronger pull than what you think even though what you think is part of what you love but it seems like what, what you love has a whole lot more because sometimes yeah sometimes you just love things without even knowing why you love them you know you just you just love it and sometimes you even wish you didn't love those things but you just love them all the same and you can't even explain that <clears throat> yeah it's really fascinating stuff. I'm going to, I have to think a little bit more on this, but let's just read what some scriptures will have to say. And I think why this is important is because I think it has a strong bearing on it may it may possibly be the reason why the you know, our Christian the practice of the faith today is in my mind very lackluster because I think we may be focused on the wrong things. Because when we say I don't think we're focusing as much on loving God as we should you know we, we we think that is enough to that Jesus should be happy because I've already accepted him as Lord and I'm a card carrying Christian and anywhere I go I call myself a Christian so God should be happy no God wants you to love him with all that's what Jesus said when 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 um, someone asked him what was the greatest commandment he said you should love the Lord with all your heart with all your mind with all your strength and him only will you serve he said that's the greatest commandment so what God is looking for, he's not so much looking for, um, how would I say, obedience without, he wants love. The obedience must be an outcome of the love, not obedience without love. He, God doesn't want um, forced obedience or um, sanctimonious obedience or, you know, he wants obedience that comes from love. Because when he asked him, when, when the man asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, Jesus would have said, you should obey me and do everything that is pleasing in my sight. He said, no, you love me. So that means that Jesus believes that love is a motivating force and it's the strongest motivating force for obedience, for service, for worship, for discipleship, for sonship. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so I think that, that, that knocks it in for me. So definitely, because if God who made us places the highest value of 
worship and service in the context of love. He didn't, he didn't even, he didn't say, you need to read that conversation between Jesus and the person who asked. So when I read from um, the book of Matthew chapter 22 verse 36 to 40, it says one of the one of the scholars one of an expert in the law came to jesus and said teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law and then jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments he said the first and the greatest commandment is that we should love god with all our hearts, with all our soul, and with all our mind. So you see, this is what I was we were trying to allude to before this. So the thoughts of the mind are a part of that love. So love is all-encompassing. And if you look at it, so, so really we are what we love. I am what I love. So, you know, being a Christian, therefore... If at the end of the day I only find time for God, what do I love? What do I spend most of my day doing? What do I spend most of my time doing? Where do my thoughts, where my, you know, in those quiet moments, what am I thinking most about? Is it about making money, paying my bills? You know, is it about my, my you know, my spouse, my children, my job? You know, is it about life? Is it about Jesus? Is it about Christ? Is it about the Word of God? Yeah. Yes. So really, I think I'm, I'm, I'm moving closer into this because I think this scripture drives it home for me. Because Jesus Jesus didn't say... He, 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 imagine a, a God that tells you that you should love him. That's the commandment. I mean, I want you to really... Let's, can we unpack that a bit? Because there are so many religions in the world that they compare Christianity with. And I think the reason why people do that is because we don't draw out the very obvious, stark, and unbelievable differences that really make it clear that this is a, a, a God beyond what anyone else could have thought of. A God that commands you that the, the only thing is you just love me with all. He didn't come up with 100 commands. He now said everything that the law and the prophets have written, which is what where we have now, um, you know, where, where people now focus on. He said it actually hangs on these two, which is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So he said that that's the foundation. So everything that you are doing has to be derived from that love. What we have done is to remove the love and try to do the commandment without the love, which is why we end up with the very dysfunctional practice of the faith that we are now in, where you can see Christians who are morally pristine, but in, in love terms, zero, selfish. Definitely, first of all, we do not love our neighbor as ourselves. That's why it's totally out of the way. We love ourselves more than our neighbors. God is not even saying we should love the neighbor more than us, but he says just as you do. So in other words, do unto others as you want them done for you and your family and your spouse. We are definitely not doing that. I am definitely not doing that. I'm very far from doing that. If I was doing that, I would be more involved in things in my community, my society. I won't turn away from a lot of the horrible things that are happening. I am trying to become more active, but I would do more if I was loving my neighbor as myself. So definitely I'm not doing that. Love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul and all my mind. I think I'm, a, I'm on a journey. I'm closing that gap. I think I'm getting there. I have to go through some very, very 
you know, terrible things in my life when, you know, for me to do that. And I'm, God is actually helping me to love him more. And I'm grateful to him for doing that. So I'm in a better place, I think, on that love the Lord your God more with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I'm really honestly getting there compared to before. Because really, and, and what has happened is I've emptied my <laughs> myself of all of the things that were taking up the space. So, you know, and I, I, one of the most valuable things in my life, I actually had to get to the point where I said to God, you know what, even if I lose this, I don't want to lose you, you know, and um, that, that, that was, I think, the beginning of my journey of love. So I, and, and it has changed everything and to the glory of God, just like you did with Abraham, I didn't lose that thing, you know, I didn't lose it to the glory of God. God protected and preserved, you know, that life. And, um, but he had also, it, it, that experience changed me because it made me realize that the most important person in my life, the most important influence in my life, the most important interest in my life is God and that I should never, ever, 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 ever put anyone else in the place that is reserved for God and I should never, ever lose sight of the fact that before I was born. Before I, there was God. After me, there will be God. Before anything that I hold dear, there was God. After everything that I hold dear, there is God. So it is. it makes sense practically to even put my heart on things that have to do with this eternal God because he can make everything, you know, he can make things, everything can, he can make it all work out so that even if it looks like I've lost some things now in eternity, he can, he can restore and repair. He can recalibrate, you know, so... I'll just leave it at that because I think this is something that we're going to have to keep, um, how would I say, reflecting on, at least for me, because this is really, I hadn't really looked at it this way, but this is really good for me in terms of just understanding a whole lot more about this whole concept of what it means to love God. Yeah, this is really interesting. The course is actually called Loving God. So I think this is a very, very good, this is really, really good for me. I'm so glad I'm doing this course now. So thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay later and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.